Welcome to Wrestling With Heart, a podcast looking at pro wrestlers giving back to their community. Join me, Stanley Carr, as I interview wrestling's hottest names who use their platforms as entertainers to raise awareness and do community service. Hello and welcome to another edition of Wrestling With Heart. I'm Stanley Carr and this is the show where we talk with professional wrestlers about their careers in and out of the ring and doing works of community service as well as charity work. Today I've got a very special guest with me. Is He is a former SICW Classic Champion, former MMWA Heavyweight Champion, U.S. Champion, U, uh, World Heavyweight Champion, as well as Universal Champion of NBW. And he's done a lot of pretty awesome things in the community. It's my pleasure to welcome Curtis Wild to the show. Curtis, welcome yeah. to Wrestling With Heart. What's going on, everybody? Throwing up the W. How are you feeling? Thanks for having me on, Stanley. It is my pleasure. So tell me, Curtis, about where, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in a lot of different places, but the place that I always called home was the St. Louis area. It's where uh, a lot of my family was, my grandparents, my uh, aunts and uncles. Um, and, and that's where my mom did a lot of growing up. So this is where uh, our family was and home is where the heart is. So. Oh, for sure. Did a lot of growing up in St. Louis. Did some growing up down in uh, Horn Lake, Mississippi, just outside of Memphis, when uh, when Jerry Lawler was the king of Memphis, literally. And uh, I was just outside of there, Horn Lake, Mississippi. I was able to go to a lot of the, the Mid-South Coliseum shows, uh, the the uh, uh, fairgrounds, Mid-South Fair, uh, and a lot of the TV tapings, actually. I was hmm. in the crowd. Uh, from the time I was eight till about the time I was 12, I was just outside of Memphis and enjoying everything that Memphis wrestling had to offer. You got hooked right away. I mean, Memphis wrestling was just such a hotbed. I mean, it was huge. Well, I got to tell you, even before that, uh, I, the wrestling bug bit me. I got hooked. Um, I was wrestling with pillows in my grandmother's living room. Um, not only, not only wrestling the pillow, but I was calling the matches. I, I have some recordings from way back then. I've oh, got to find them. But I was calling the matches, doing my own color commentary, doing my own um, um, play-by-play, uh, doing my own interviews, and interviewing myself at like five or six years old. So wrestling has been in my blood. Yeah, since, uh, for sure. I can remember. It's hooked. You're hooked on it. It's like a drug. You just you're addicted to it. And as soon as as soon as you, you know catch it on the screen your your mind just drifts off because you're yeah. just you're just you're just invested into it and so yeah i mean memphis had a chock full of characters and so many of the greats obviously went on to bigger pastures so there's it's really awesome to see like a lot of the people that i've talked to that have worked with sicw they've talked about how much they love the memphis days and there's yeah. like this, there's like a real connection there almost between the two. Well, that's one of the things that sets uh, South or, um, SICW apart. That's one of the things that, that really um, separates us is that we are that old school feel. We are that, that uh, Memphis uh, uh, energy. You know, you, you come to an SICW show and it feels like that old school wrestling that you remember with your grandparents. Uh, going to the Keel Auditorium or the Checker Dome uh, or, or down in Memphis, like I said, the Mid-South Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. 
I got to see that documentary Head Over Heels, and I was just so impressed with with the work that was put into it. So it was really cool, really yeah, cool, really I, fascinating. I like There's a lot of good documentaries coming out right now. One of them uh, that I've been watching is the Stories from the Territories or Tales from the Territories. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, it's kind of like Dark Side of the Ring, but it was produced by The Rock, I believe, and his mm -hmm. wife. Uh, I kept running with that ball. I've been enjoying that, so. I, I think that everybody should check that out. Yeah. Of course, after they check out uh, SICW Wrestling TV and New Breed Wrestling TV. Yes. Get the get the plugs in. That's that's what we're all about here. Promotion. So, who are like some of your favorite wrestlers growing up? Who who are the ones that you love to watch? Well, Jerry Lawler was a big one, man. I mean, given given that I was in Memphis at that time and I was real impressionable, uh, so. Jerry Lawler was a big one. I was actually fortunate enough uh, to, to be able to go to some local things with Jerry Lawler. Went swimming with the man when I was about 10 years old. Went swimming? Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, it was one of those promotional things at the, the local water park. You come hmm. down, you meet Jerry the King Lawler. Um, but it was it was like me and Jerry Lawler walking side by side and about, you know, 20 or 30 kids walking behind us. Oh, man. Um, so I, I mean, I, I latched a hole. I was the only one that he let wear his crown. I was ah. the only one that he let wear his belt uh, that day. Unbelievable. So, yeah, when things like that happen to you, or when you're able to get in the ring after a show at the Mid South Fair, uh, and and kind of play around with guys like Jerry Lawler or Jeff Jarrett, uh, you really get get bitten, and it's hard to get away from it. It's another one, Jeff Jarrett, another icon in the business who definitely did a lot to help the the southern territory yeah yeah and funny enough he was a, a 17 year old boy opening doors when i was down there um you know and as as a kid you would have to send in your self-addressed stamped envelope and then they would send you back a ticket to the tv taping and then when you show up to the tv taping you got to get in and sure one of those times in particular we were a little late and it just so happened that jeff jarrett was a 17-year-old curly blonde-headed young man yep, yep. opening doors for those late fans. And look and look how far he's come. Far both have come, you know, legends in the game you're talking about. Just two Yeah, guys. absolutely. Two of the best for sure. And so you got into it loving the Memphis scene. When did you know that this was something like I want to do this for a living? When I was 5. You were 5. <laughs> I have never gotten away from it. you mentioned that I ventured into politics well uh you know that was an experience but mm -hmm. the fact is I came back to wrestling after that um kept going and uh haven't looked back I mean it's always been wrestling for me uh to the point where people probably got tired of hearing about it as I was growing up family friends um but I kept going with it and um and they, they can't say that I ever gave up on my dream. No, I mean, you need to go for if If you want to do something in life, you shoot for the stars, and you definitely have done that. So you start training. What year did you start becoming – what year did you start training to become a wrestler? 1999. 1999, okay. Debuted December 99, and then uh, took me about three years to really – anything figured out to be able to to venture out and to try new pastures um but it, it's been quite the adventure and uh, when i started you had to be licensed to be a wrestler in illinois 
so when, if anybody's out there that follows the Midwest wrestling scene, they know that that was a long, long time ago. Uh, now, Missouri, you have to be licensed to, to be a professional wrestler. And Illinois is um, kind of a, a land of um, not so many rules. So and, and a lot of times I appreciate that, you know, but there's uh, sometimes got to be a gatekeeper. There's sometimes got to be something to keep the riffraff out. Um, and the, the thing that I did in Illinois to, to do that was to stay associated with groups like SICW. Do you feel it was it was difficult at times to get licensed? Uh, no, I never had had an issue just because I had people who were telling me what to do, how to do it, and um, uh, it wasn't wasn't that difficult. Even back when uh, they were licensing in Illinois, you know, a, a doctor just kind of comes into the trailer and you do your your physical and all that good stuff, and and they kind of passed you right there and off you went. Uh, that was towards the tail end of, of the athletic commission in Illinois. So I think that they were looking for all their look arounds they could at the time. Yeah. Workarounds. So you start training to become a wrestler. Was it, was it easy or hard for you to learn it? What, what was your experience like? Cause I've talked to people that have talked about like the, the training process and sometimes it was rigorous. Sometimes it was, you know, it, it was intense. It was absolutely intense, and and my trainer, uh, Mr. Intensity Brian Dean, um, up in Powerhouse Championship Wrestling, was a drill instructor. He was one of those guys that if you didn't do something right, you were going to do it over and over and over and over again until you did it right, uh, or at least right enough. And if you didn't do it right, he was going to be up in your face like a drill sergeant, spittle coming out, the whole deal. Um, so it it actually it may have been. Uh, detrimental for some people we had uh, you know stars come in uh, wrestling stars in their high school or or track stars or football stars and they just couldn't cut it they just couldn't cut it because that wasn't an environment that everybody could make it through um but i i unfortunately had a a chip on my soul and shoulder at the time uh had a real problem with authority and i needed that kind of training i needed that kind of rigorous in your face uh, uh, training that some other people just couldn't handle. Yeah. I mean, it takes a long time to really get the fundamentals of all that, of all that work down. And once you put it together, it's, it's easy as pie, but it takes a lot of work to. Well, that's just the thing. Wrestling is never easy. Wrestling is never easy. Every time you fall, every time you punch somebody, every time you do anything, I mean, you're punching the person, but you're going to hurt your hand. And this is, yeah. Uh, it's not ballet exactly exactly it's not ballet so everything we do out there hurts everything we do out there um the body doesn't want you to do the body doesn't want you to fall down you know um so so you're going against your natural instincts uh to put on a show for people that yeah uh, that other people might not be able to put on were you banged up at all at times or did you feel that there were some moments where you're like oh man I'm not so sure if I want to do this or I'm not sure if if I'm hurt in this situation what what, tell me about any stories you may have about that well after 23 years right now I'm pretty banged up I'm pretty uh uh, destroyed I I mean my body is probably never going to bounce back I'm never going to be regular normal again 
um, never going to live a pain-free life. And I just got to deal with that, given that I've done this for 23 years, and I get that. Um, as far as injuries that happened um, from wrestling, during wrestling events, um, I had a toe cut in half once, six and a half hours hmm. before a show. Oh, um, no. Yeah. And uh, wow, I, I was the, the light heavyweight champion at the time. The promoter didn't want to want to let me go on because I had the toe cut in half. But I had family coming from four and a half hours away to witness this show. There was supposed to be like 800 people in this gymnasium. We had King Kong Bundy and uh, uh, the Iron Sheik and the Nasty Boys and uh, uh, Road Warriors. And it's a pretty, I, pretty star-studded lineup there. One of those shows that you just don't want to not be on if you're booked, you know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. Even though, even though I cut my toe in half six and a half hours before the match, which was I was putting up the ring. Uh, some kids came in off the street, asked my promoter if they could help. He let them. Uh, one of the larger kids grabbed the heavy metal bar with me, and I told him, listen, this is a gymnasium. We can't drop this because they'll get really angry, and they might not have it back. Uh, wow. If we, do, if we do damage. As soon as he gets it up about chest high, he drops it. His side hits the ground, jingles out of his hand, jingles out of my hand, drops down, hits my toe. Ugh. Luckily, one of the wrestlers' uh, wives was a nurse. She went and found the nurse's office in the high school and taped up the toe with athletic tape. I wrestled my match, went to the hospital, come to find out it was shattered the whole time. Um, and and that was uh, the last night that I worked for that promotion, to be perfectly honest with you, because after all of that, uh, the promoter was very rude and unprofessional. I'm not going to get into any details. But, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so I, I went to other places and started doing other things, and it wasn't but maybe a year or two after that that I was a heavyweight champion elsewhere. So Wow. Things happened. Uh, broke my foot uh, on the way to the ring once. During an entrance, I broke my fifth metatarsal on my left foot. I didn't realize it was broken. I thought it was sprained. So I wrestled the match. We went to a 10-minute time limit draw with the bomb Brian James, a St. Louis uh, uh, great here. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did the 10-minute time limit draw. Crowd was chanting five more minutes. And the promoter came out and uh, called it, said, no, you guys come to the back because he knew that there was something wrong with my foot. Uh, I didn't know until I got to the back that it wasn't a sprain. And I didn't know until I got surgery, or until I never got surgery. I didn't know until I got x-rays that, uh, that it was a clean break on the fifth metatarsal, the outside bone on my left foot. So I wrestled to a 10 minute time limit draw with uh, no support whatsoever on that left foot because that's your support bone right there on the outside. Sure. So. I, I just, I don't have uh, quit in me. I don't have stopped. No. And uh, sometimes you should. Sometimes you should uh, listen to your body and, and not not be the guy that you want to be, but be the guy you know you should be. A message, a message uh, well served to the young folks who want to get into the business. But uh, talk about a never say die attitude. I mean, that's a, those are two gruesome injuries and, and look, you've been able to make it back and, and be in tip top shape today. So kudos to you for, for making such a miraculous uh, comeback. 
Thank and, you. Thank yes. you. I don't know if I would say I'm in tip-top shape today because after 23 years, I'm feeling every every bump and bruise and all that good stuff, and I'm working within my limitations, and I'm doing the best I can do to go out there and put on a great show. Yeah, but people. you're able, but but like you said, yeah, you just said you you know your limitations. You're able to know what your body is telling you. You're able to make an adjustment, which is really good. That's right. This business is hard enough uh, without doing it with limitations. So. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work within my parameters that, yeah. that keep me successful in this business and can keep uh, fans entertained. They have to. So you've been in, you've been wrestling for a long, long time now, and uh, you've made the transition over to politics, and you ran for the House of Representatives in the state of Missouri. What got you interested? What got you involved with doing that, Bernie? <laughs> Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I came in as an outsider. I came in as, as someone who uh, was, was there to shake up the status quo. And I think that, that the uh, Bernie delegates in 2016 helped do that when they elected not only me, but three other um, Bernie people to the Democratic National Committee. Hmm. Uh, and many of us went there because we thought that the DNC screwed Bernie. Um, so we were we were there as kind of uh, political insurrectionists, uh, not, not to use that term lightly, um, but we were there to shake it up and to uh, try to make some changes. One of the big things that, that we got done was uh, we ended superdelegates. Superdelegates are no longer a thing in the DNC. You don't hear about superdelegates anymore, and we're the reason that that happened. So, uh, or part of the reason that that happened, something like that is always a collective effort. Um, but the fact is, I realized that politics was more dirty than professional wrestling could ever be. And uh, I just didn't want to be involved in that grime anymore. So I got out of politics and got back into professional wrestling. Outside of politics and pro wrestling, what else have you done as far as helping out in your community? Well, um, we took about close to five years off um, from wrestling when we were going to get married. We were going to uh, start a family. So we took that time off to get married, start a family. And in that time, I uh, wanted to, to still have some community involvement, still wanted to get involved. Uh, so we did a, a thing called iClean, which was a community organized. I organized the community where we lived, <clears throat> excuse me, to come out and to clean uh, a neighborhood that we lived above a nightclub at the time. When our daughter was born, we did a, a home birth above a nightclub. Um, and in that area, there was a, quite a bit of bro broken glass. There was uh, a whole lot of bars. It was the nightlife area. We lived right smack in the center of it. Sure. So I wanted to not walk my dog through broken glass. And in order to do that, I enlisted a bunch of help of uh, uh, local community people and had everybody come out and, and do a cleaning event. And we did that not once, but we did that four years in a row until I got involved in politics. That's pretty good. You know, you're you're very passionate and you've, well, you you want to help people. And we need, definitely could use some more positivity. Like you said, I'm, I think, you know, over the last six or seven years, the stuff that you see in 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 the world, it just really does a damage to your psyche. And so it's, it, you know, one of the things I try to accomplish with this show is to kind of bring everybody back and try to have more unity. Uh, that's something I think we, we need in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there is too much separation there. Um, 
too many things that are pulling us apart as people. And I think it's by design because if we all came together, then uh, a lot of the corruption wouldn't be happening. A, a lot of the other things would uh, simply just not um, rear their ugly head. Uh, because if you look, I mean, uh, now that we're on politics, we had an insurrection, January 6th, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's taken two years for anybody to really have any accountability for that. The same thing, a similar thing uh, happened, I believe, recently in Peru, uh, where the Peru president tried to, to uh, nix Congress, tried to, to dissolve Congress and uh, make himself the president for life or something to that effect. And Congress, that Congress quickly act and he was arrested and uh, charged with treason or, or their version of treason. Same thing happened uh, uh, recently in, I believe it was Australia. Um, no, Germany. Germany, um, where I think 25 people were arrested because they were going to try to take over the government of Germany uh, with violence. And those things were, were quickly dealt with, but I think they happened because um, people saw the United States taking too long and trying to be so bipartisan and didn't want to ruffle any feathers. And now you got other places, other countries that are following that lead. And uh, if, if we don't get some accountability going, that's going to be happening in a lot of other places. We've got about seven or so minutes. We've got a few minutes. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Well, they can uh, go to my Curtis Wild Pro Wrestler page. Um, and they can also follow my personal page, Curtis Wild, W-Y-L-D-E, Curtis Wild with a C. I'm sure that you, you might have a link or something in the description. Um, and and that's where it's at right now. Right now, the uh, website is, is unavailable on hiatus because I'm redoing some things and uh, we're going to be coming back out with the shirt store on the website and some some different kinds of merch, things like that. Um, and but I think that we're going to re uh, uh, launch that uh, after the new year. All right. Well, um, Curtis, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. It means a lot to me, and I'd love to have you on again. Absolutely. And your guests can also go check out SICW.org. They can check out New Breed Wrestling on the Facebooks. And I'm sure that New Breed and SICW are on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I don't know about the Twitters. Not too sure about that one, but maybe even TikTok. Check it out. SICW, Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling, SICW.org. And then New Breed Wrestling. You can check them out on Facebook for sure um, at New Breed Wrestling. Thanks so much again. It sounds like a really big show. Uh, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, definitely. So thanks again, Curtis. And uh, I will talk to you soon and I'll have this uploaded uh, by by next week. Outstanding. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas and all that good stuff. Yeah, same to you. All right. Have a good one. Take care. This is Wrestling With Heart. I hope you found this podcast to be informative and entertaining. If you did, please hit the subscribe button and look out for the next edition.